Blog Talk Radio. Okay. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, the place to be for creating healthy, lasting relationships in midlife. And today, I am excited to have a special guest, dating and relationship expert, Lisa Concepcion, about how to cure yourself of codependency. This is such a hot topic in the dating and relationship world. I probably can say that 99% of my clients are recovering codependents, and I know I am too, so I'm excited to talk about this. The whole uh, the whole thing with like hiring a coach and working with somebody to to really work on these issues is that we can work on them. We can really heal unhealthy patterns, no matter how far back they go. And I always start with the family blueprint. How did you grow up? What was it like in your home? You know, were your needs met? Were you seen for who you were? Or were you just appreciated for getting straight A's, for doing rather than being? This is really what we do as adults is we start to really um, to get better at, at really just appreciating the being and not the doing so much. And it's, that's a big part of the work that I have done and that I do with my clients. And, and it sounds like Lisa is doing similar work, so I'm excited to listen. Um, And my whole thing is helping women become women of value, valuing themselves first and living their best life so that they can attract in the love that they deserve. And every week I bring you a tip on how to become that woman of value, and this week's tip is step number 20, which is lean back. Now, Sheryl Sandberg made the lean in very popular, and that's something that works really well in the workspace for women, especially, who have taken a backseat and not made enough of, not shown up with their full voice. And what I mean by lean back for the dating world is that if you want a man, this is for the ladies out there, if you want a man to provide for you or to um, to show up and to be a better partner, to be more supportive, you have to stop doing it all. <laughs> and you have to create the space for him to show up. And that's where you lean back. I find that so many of the women who come to me are women who overcompensated for men who didn't do their share. And we have to speak up. We have to really lean back and speak up about our needs, lean back and let a man come forth. And, of course, pick the right man to begin with. <laughs> that's, that's the whole key. Um, and just one last word before I bring Lisa on to the show is that I invite you to become a member of my private Facebook group, which is called Your Last First Date. Lisa is a member, as, as it just so happens. And um, as Lisa can tell, tell us all, to tell you all that this is an amazing group. It is just a very positive place to grow, not to be stuck in man bashing, um, not to be just sitting and complaining and telling everyone how terrible dating is and relationships are, but to really see a positive way to to grow and improve so that you can have the love you deserve. 
All right, and now for Lisa. Lisa is a certified professional dating and relationship transformation expert, and she is the founder of LoveQuest Coaching. She specializes in helping people transform their love lives, beginning with self-love. I couldn't agree more. And she quickly empowers her clients to define the relationship they want and then helps them adopt the mindset necessary to manifest and maximize that relationship. She has a YouTube channel with over 650 videos on dating, relationships, self-love, breakup, and divorce. Welcome to the show, Lisa, and welcome to episode number 309, Curing Yourself of Codependency, The Relationship Killer. Welcome. Wow, such an introduction. I'm so glad to be speaking with you on this topic. Well, thank you. And I love your energy. You just always have such a great, um, wonderful, joyous energy to you. So thank you for coming on today. Excellent, excellent. All right. So let's talk about codependency. Um, First, if you can... um, Tell us a little bit about your relationship to codependency. So and my first, relationship first, actually, with before you go there, if you could, oh, okay, if you can just tell what codependency is, and then and then say your relationship. Sure. Um, well, codependency, as I understood it to be when I was going through my healing journey, and it, which never ends. I mean, once you're once you're um, labeled as you know classic codependent you kind of dive in and you want to get to the root of, you know, what happened to me? Why am I this way? And it becomes this pretty much like this investigation of self, you know, which is with the intention of healing. So for me, I would look at it as, you know, me personally, I define my codependency as exactly that. I was dependent on outside um, circumstances, people, to line up just so to appease me, soothe me, and make me happy. And it put me in a very disempowered place in my life because obviously when you're hoping that everything else outside yourself lines up just perfectly for you, um, you lose power because you can't control everything outside of you. And so it becomes this hamster wheel existence where the job has to be just so, the people at the job have to be just so, my spouse, my children, my, you know, pet, everybody has to just, you know, line up the way Lisa needs it to be um, to keep me calm, soothed, and collected in my own self. And as I started to explore that further, and get to the roots of it, I found that, you know, typically a codependent uh, person in adulthood, they tend to be, when you look at the lineage of it, they tend to be, you know, children of victims who typically were um, narcissists and um, really using the child more for their own gratification and soothing as opposed to having a child to give to that child and nurture that child so then that child can grow up and be a productive member of society (laughs) and emotionally stable and balanced. But, you know, this is what the work we do. We're all victims of victims. We've all been tested in our lives, and it's just a matter of coming to that awareness that something's up, things are not working the way they need to be working in life. We're done blaming outside, and now we look inward and really start to do this beautiful work on ourselves. Mm. That's beautiful. So, um so you, because of your circumstance, dove deeper and found the, the root mm-hmm. cause of it 
and then you stopped blaming and started taking steps to cure the codependency. Exactly, precisely. And it all yeah. came to a head for me when I was, um, I'm 47 now, so it was really kind of manifesting itself in my mid-30s with just behaviors and things professionally and in, within my marriage at the time. Um, I didn't really know what was going on with me. I just knew I was not happy. I was very um, anxious. I had just feelings of uh, uncertainty and just constantly chasing something. It was something outside of me that I felt I was always after, whether it's the perfect home or the right friends going to the right vacations, just this whole um, external uh, emphasis. And, and definition of me based on what was going on around me and what I was participating in, but not me, who I was on my own. And, um, you know, after, oof, I'd say a few years of that, for sure. I mean, it, it was just, you know, manifested itself in infidelity and then a cycle of, you know, different events in my marriage that were very um, unkind to myself, unkind to my spouse and ended up, manifesting itself in divorce, a very lengthy separation because of the codependency. It was very difficult to come to a decision of divorce. So it ended up putting me in this marital limbo where I was separated for four and a half years. My spouse and I were incredibly codependent. He didn't know, you know, to this day, he'll say, I can't live with you. I can't live without you. And that's like the mantra of the codependent. Um, but mm-hmm. thankfully, I, I once divorced, um, was able to rein it in finally and really have this tidal wave that came over me where I, I just didn't trust my judgment in other people, especially when it came to men. I felt like I um, just didn't know how to make decisions because I was deciding based on a place of weakness and not a place of strength. And so it, it leaves you very open to be vulnerable and to be victimized. Um, from people with, you know, agenda, if you're not certain and secure in your desires for what it is you want in another person, why you want those things, and most importantly, the ability to cultivate those things within myself first. Mm-hmm. So that when that happened, and I just hit the lowest of the low low when, you know, the divorce finally happened, and the subsequent rebound relationship, another quintessential move of a classic codependent is heaven forbid you're alone. Um, you know, and, and, and I ended up in this in this very damaging rebound relationship. And that was the straw to break the camel's back. That's when I said, okay, this little lily padding from one relationship to the next, looking for soothing in a in a man, um, looking for validation outside of myself, that's gotta stop. Look where it's gotten me. I, I was, you know, I sunk into a depression and had to pull it together and just said, listen, I need like a dream team of people to get Lisa back on track and create a new version of me from where I am now with all the lessons that I have and the experiences. And that's what I did. I created this dream team of people and I committed wholeheartedly to healing from this divorce, healing from the codependency finally and at mm-hmm. least creating a new normal with how I was to approach the world from that stronger place. Mm, that's wonderful. So, I, and you, you're in my group now, and I'm sure you've seen some posts by people who are very stuck in that place still. And 
Mm-hmm. It's um, until they do this work, it's really difficult to find the right partner, you know, and to and to stop depending on a man to make them happy where they're not even happy internally. So, so let's talk about exactly the cure. Let's talk about that cure. So, what did you do? What are some of the steps you took to cure yourself of the codependency? Well, interestingly, through my steps, I codified all of them, and so now I use them in my coaching practice with other people. And so what I declared in that awful low bottom of the pit of bottom (laughs) place that I found myself in was, Mm -hmm. okay, 90 days, that's it, we're going to do this, 90 days, full on, burn the ships, 100% committed to me for once. Committed to everybody else. Mm-hmm. I thought the answer was in everybody else. It's like, no, you have to be committed to yourself. If you expect somebody else to commit to you fully, you need to fully commit to yourself. So I said, okay, Lise, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get you down to the basics. You're not eating right. This whole depression thing, it locked your stomach. You, I lost 13 pounds in two weeks. I was living on, like, potato chips, chocolate milk, and yogurt. It was terrible. I couldn't right. add aversions. Yeah, it was – and I came to learn after – um, you know, hiring a therapist just to get me functional because, like, I think it's important that people understand, you know, coaching and therapy, two different modalities, both very important and very serving in that I came to my diagnosis of codependency through a, psych- through a psychologist. So mm-hmm. once I had that diagnosis, then I mm-hmm. began coaching myself. It was like, okay, now you know what's wrong with you to put a label on it. Now you can have something to go on to do your research and to really now coach yourself by doing these techniques and things to advance you. So that was step one was hiring therapists. Step two was then really just listening to myself and what I needed. I wanted to eat right again. I wanted to, you know, work out at the gym. I wanted to go out with friends. I, I, I wanted to really just heal. I felt this anxiety. I would wake up with kind of panic attacks in the night, just feeling uneasy. Um, I wanted that to be sorted out. So I really made a list of like all the things that I was noticing about myself that just was not healthy and was not true to me. And then I started to think of what would be needed. What would, would there be a modality, whether it's acupuncture, massage therapy, um, EFT tapping. I mean, if somebody came at me and said, Lisa, if you take a hard boiled egg and balance it on your head and hop on one foot and you'll be cured, I would have done it. That's how committed to my well-being I was. Um, so yeah, it was, um, acupuncture was amazing for me combined with, you know, weekly sessions for 12 weeks of, of therapy. And then it went to every other week, um, combined, I dove very deeply into the work of Abraham Hicks and the law of attraction. I uh, also studied with um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who's a neuropsychologist, I believe, or neuroscientist, that's it, and learned through his program that our brains could be rewired pretty quickly within, you know, 30 days comes one phase of it, within 90 days, you're pretty much a new person. If you really, really get disciplined about the kind of thoughts that you're choosing, and again, that's the piece of the mindset work that had to happen, absolutely had to happen. It, I had beautiful conversations with um, both of my parents and, and really saw um, that position of power that I stepped into because it was, I, I knew that it was going to be blaming and there was going to be, you know, a lot of evading and, and parents who don't want to really look at the truth of what went on and what have you. But 
I did a wonderful program with um, Dr. Oh, it was inner bonding. Dr. Margaret Paul is the name oh, yeah, of, of the doctor. Yeah, she's been on the she's, show. Yeah, yeah, she's wonderful. She's she's amazing, amazing. And so I did the inner bonding practice, and I do it all the time. It it just became a new way of life for me, really getting to the root of that broken inner child, the points of trauma, and now at the time as you know a 45 year old woman stepping up and saying, okay, I am the mother here. I am the parent to this child that exists within me. And when they say they're hungry, I feed them. And when they say they want to sleep, they go to bed. And I don't push them. I just listen. And that's the kindest, kindest um, part of all this work is that when you commit to really curing or healing from codependency, and you step up into that place where you're calling the shots in your life, it's incredibly powerful. No one can mess with you ever again. I completely show up differently now in relationships. And because of it and the journey I did, um, I feel incredibly uh, powerful with my coaching clients. I feel I can serve them at a very high level because I have the empathy. I have that compassion. I know what it is to be where that state of hopelessness is and that disconnection between your true self within and this external self that you're showing the world. And when that becomes mm-hmm. aligned, when those two people become aligned, you know, the, the me I show and the me who truly is, the being me, as you mentioned earlier, when that's aligned, that's the sweet spot. That's when you're just unstoppable. And then everything, other people mm-hmm. you meet, the contacts that you make, the opportunities that you have romantically, professionally, would have you completely shift and change. Yeah, no, there's so much truth to that. And I, I'm watching somebody very close to me who's going through a breakup, and um, mm-hmm. she has a pattern of doing that lily pot patting, um, jumping mm-hmm. from man to man, really blaming, you know, just so much blame and so many mm-hmm. false ideas about the man and what he did and what he said, you know, and it's just, it's hard to mm-hmm. watch because she's not open yet mm. to doing the work, but trying to get her there. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So this, you know, this whole self-love piece, um, can you speak to that a little bit more about that, that self-love? As I know Ross Rosenberg, um, who's a PhD, has been on my show also. He speaks mm-hmm. about how to break yourself from break break the pattern of attracting narcissists and emotionally mm. unhealthy people. And so many people who are codependent end up attracting in narcissists and people who are cruel mm-hmm. to them. And self-love is the, it's the antidote. So can you speak to that? Absolutely. Um, so the self-love piece is the foundation of my coaching practice. And so when people come to me and they say, oh, I really, I've been single for for three years and I really want a guy in my life. You know, I really want to meet that person. Um, The immediate go-to is, you know, tell me, all right, wonderful. Like, tell me what your day is like. Tell me why you haven't attracted this person in your perspective. What, you know, what is that? And nine times out of 10, within the first 10 minutes of that conversation, there will be at least five um, examples of a lack of self-love, whether it's typical, you know, uh, 
pleasing, people pleasing, um, not taking responsibility for all outcomes. You know, when when you're looking at self love, right? It's it's a combination of things. It's one um, taking full responsibility for all outcomes in your life because that then instantly puts you into a power move. And people are like, whoa, they're like put off because it's more comfortable to blame. But it's not self-loving mm-hmm. because you end up in that trap of expecting the outside to line up soothed and happy. And it's very self-loathing because you're, you're putting your happiness and your happy eggs, as I, put, as I call them, in someone else's mm-hmm. basket. And how self-loathing mm-hmm. is it when they take that basket, show it to you, and fling it out the window? <laughs> because <laughs> because you're, you're not saying, you're not being in charge, you're not establishing healthy boundaries, you don't even know what boundaries are. Um, I'll give you an example. You know, simple self-love is the woman who is, let's say, on a, a dating app, and she checks the dating app after 10 p.m. when she's lying in her bed all cushy and cozy with her cat or dog and she's flicking through this and all of a sudden poof up comes a match <gasps> he's talking to me <gasps> oh my god I, I must write back this minute this second instead of saying like what you said earlier right lean back just survey see what's up and ask yourself is 10 p.m really the, the time of evening that i really want to be involving myself in a conversation with somebody or do i just want to survey and see what's going on and take a you know, I call it a queen's breath and just inhale and be like, all right, this is cool. Tomorrow I'll I'll settle this. This is good. And you go about your life and just having this ease and flow to your life. It's it's a self-loving check that you do of how am I feeling right now? What do I need right now? Am I sleepy? Am I hungry? Is this the time to invite in the man? And is this the man? Like, what kind of man is reaching out to me at 10 o'clock at night? Like, is even this my man? There's a boundary that's being broken here. So, you know, it's it's those types of, of mindful, um, self-aware check-ins with yourself all the time. I mean, you had Margaret Paul on your show. So she mm-hmm. is very masterful at teaching that inner dialogue of you know, how are you feeling right now when you're triggered, right? And you're on a date with a guy or you're out, you know, dealing with an ex-spouse or something and something's said and it triggers something in you. Are you reacting or are you taking a second to say the self-loving behavior here? Clearly you've been triggered. You know, Lisa, sweet love Lisa. What are you feeling right now? I feel scared. Why do you feel scared? Because And you probe and you get to the... Why do you feel scared? I feel like he's just, like, invading my privacy too much. I feel as if just, you know, he's trying to take over. Okay, so what do we need here? We need a boundary. Great. What kind of boundary? Well, I want, it, I want, I want him to shut it down at 10 o'clock. I don't want to be out past 10 o'clock on a weeknight. Okay, wonderful. Let's do that. Let's make that a boundary. Perfect. And you had that internal self-loving discussion with that inner child who needs something from you, discipline, some sort of boundary, you set the boundary and that child within becomes fulfilled, becomes safe, feels secure, feels powerful because mom is in charge. Your adult self is in charge of you now. And there's nothing more beautiful to bring to a relationship with a man. And there's more likelihood that you will attract a very self-aware, self-directed man that doesn't look to the woman to fill up his narcissistic cup 
that he isn't a narcissist. He's just a very secure guy. He's gone through his journey. He's gone through his pains. He's done his work on himself. And now together you're looking at each other from this new evolved place. And that's why the work is so important because who we are in our 40s, 50s, 60s, very different than who we are in our 20s and 30s. And typically our first marriages happen when? In our 20s and 30s when we're we're girls still. When we go through some stuff in life, when we become women because of it, we remain stuck as girls if we don't walk through that that path and and come out the other side. We we remain um, almost arrested development within us and repeating certain patterns. So hopefully your friend, you know, through your um, validation and and compassion will, will make the leap to being open to doing that work. Because once you're on that path, it's a blessed path to walk on. It's not easy at all. Um, you know, I say it's like climbing Everest in a pair of, you know, Manolo Blahniks that are a size too small. <laughs> but when you get to the top and you will get to the top, um, because the determination is what it is. It's survival mode. It's pure, like, I got to do this. I'm too far along. There's no way back. Um, what you see in yourself along the way of that journey is just beautiful. It's, it's wonderful. It's to be celebrated. So mm, that's my I, whole jam. That's my take. That's what I help people do. Yeah, I love it. And there's so many things that you said that I resonated with. And I think, you know, a lot of people don't understand this inner child thing. But Mm. we all have wounds from the time that we were young. I mean, unless you were incredibly blessed and had parents who were perfect, pretty much doesn't apply to most people. Um, You know, I'm a parent and I certainly was far from perfect. And we, so we have these wounds and unless you really address them, um, and especially if you didn't have a parent who could mother or father you in the way that was the most compassionate and best for you, mm-hmm. to have the skill of being able to do it for yourself and then to ask these loving questions of yourself, to start to really trust your intuition because we have that mm-hmm. inner knowing and we forget. We put everything else on top of our intuition and in place of our intuition. And all bad decisions come from ignoring that really brilliant <laughs> inner voice. I mean, every single job I took that I said, oh, no, this is probably a bad idea, but, you know, I, I need the money. Um, or, yeah. you know, even my decision to marry my husband, I had an inner voice that said this person isn't for me. I knew it walking mm-hmm. down the aisle, but there were certain things mm-hmm. that were for me. And so... I said, well, you know, those things will change. This will be fine. I'll mm-hmm. be fine. <laughs> this will keep me safe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, mm-hmm. we make other things more important. Um, yeah. But once we do this work, and I'll tell you, before I did the work, I was anxious all the time. I had yes. so much overthinking, rumination, didn't trust myself. I had to look for, to other mm-hmm. people for guidance. And we are our best guide. In the end, we are yep. our best guide. We have so much inner brilliance. And so, you know, when you do this work, it might feel like hard work now, but your life becomes so much easier. It's just, it's in flow. And you Mm. attract in people who are aligned with you. I mean, you attract in work that's aligned with you. You and I are both doing work that makes us feel alive. And Mm -hmm. I have been in jobs where I felt dead, where I felt unappreciated, undervalued, you know. And so to live from this place of being valued, of being in alignment is that that's where all good things come from. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And if you look at the alternative, um, I often tell, I, I often ask people, I mean, this is what was helpful to me on my journey. I got to a place where I asked this question and it became a thing of what is scarier? Knowing that I can be where I was a year later with no movement or the fear of the unknown that I'm free to create. So I don't know what I'm creating. It's it's an empty canvas. It's an empty book. And I, there's a pen and I can write whatever my new story is going to be. Does that seem scarier than knowing what I know now in my life and doing nothing and having that same outcome over and over and over again where now it's a year, five years? No, that was a terror that was enough for me to pick up the phone and call the therapist because I was mm-hmm. waiting, as many people were in our generation, right? You know, I was born in 71. That generation is, you know, therapy is, you're a loony bin. You know, you there's a mm-hmm. stigma against the therapy. You're going to tell your parents, oh, my, I think I'm going to call a therapist. What are you, crazy? Like, what are you going to right. talk to a therapist about? All they're going to do is pump you for things and all these terrible things. And I'm like, no, it's just because I'm, like, out of sorts. I can't even eat. I can't sleep. And, you know, I have to heal myself. And, and it was just, you know, that kind of stigma. But when I got to that place where it was, you know, does over there look more appealing than what's here? And what do I have to do to get over there? Because I do have a vision for myself and it's definitely not where it is now. So when I started mm-hmm. to say, be brave, be bold. And like you said, tap into that intuition and make the phone calls and find those modalities, go to the seminars, read the books, you know, pour into yourself. You know, if you're going to lean back from men for a couple of months and just, you know, put that on hold, lean into yourself like really go in deep and fall deeply in love with yourself and have your own back better than anybody else could. Mm-hmm. I always say to people, love yourself first, most best and always. And from there mm-hmm. you'll be in a place of power to really, really, really love other people. Um, you know, not so from true. the, yeah, just from a very deep, you know, connected level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's it just when you come from that place of self love and you do this work, um, there's something else that you just said, and I completely <laughs> forgot. Oh, oh, it's the unknown. It's, it's, you know, you and I both have this in common where that being in that stuck place just feels so uncomfortable. Whereas a lot of people would rather be in that comfortable place mm-hmm. than to be someplace yeah. uncomfortable. And I, and you do have to get uncomfortable to not yeah. know all the answers. But that's where the that's where the good stuff happens. It's outside the comfort zone, not in it. So, so get out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's um. I have this expression that I that I came to you know through my journey, and it's don't worry about the how, just allow. And whenever I find myself um, too trying to effort and too trying to force something and wanting an outcome, um, and and worrying about the mechanics of it, I just say, okay, Lise. Don't worry about the how, just allow. You asked. Mm. You made the ask. The universe heard you. This is what you want. So don't worry about the how. Just ask for the how to be revealed. And with faith and with purpose, you'll walk the path and you'll be fine. Mm. And just trust. That's it. And in that you know, oh, I, when yeah. I made this certain decisions, you know, like the decision when I became separated to move and leave everything that was familiar and, and comforting, my home, my family, everything. I moved to Miami from New Jersey and I had nothing but, you know, my dog and my furniture said, all right, I'm moving to Miami. I always wanted to live where it was warm 
and, you know, my husband's selling our house or, you know, the splitting the money 50-50 and off we go. I didn't know what his plans were. He was going to take off and go to San Diego. So I think we just both reached the point where we were living our lives for everybody else, our parents and that whole narcissistic, like, stay close to me. I need you for me, for me. We're, We're just like, whoa, like, we need to live our lives. And what was unfortunate was that we, the unit, the couple, got swooped up in that. We both had our healing that we needed to do from our childhoods, but um, we couldn't do it together. It was a journey that, you know, at least the way it manifested itself was that we did have to be apart to do it. I see why, um, but I also do see that there's still so much love there. And, you know, now we're like family to each other. And, Mm. you know, we don't have children together. We were, I know him 26 years. We were married 17. And, um, you know, he lives three blocks away from me. We don't really see each other as often as we used to. He's in a relationship as am I. And, but we still stay in touch. We're still like, hey, let's grab dinner. Let's catch up. Like, it's a very um, sibling-ish, family-ish type of vibe that we have with each other that we just genuinely want to know, like, to a point, how we are in our lives. So mm-hmm. it's it's nice. It's a mature uh, way of dealing with each other. There is no really need for it. We Like I said, we don't have children in common. We don't have dog in common anymore. He had passed on. So just really like, you know, you think about it, like, well, they were a married couple for 17 years and they're still buddies. Like, what's that about? And people ask me and I'll say, you know, what I've learned about my journey is that I only know to the next mile marker. I don't know. 50 feet ahead. I don't know more than that, right? More than 50 feet ahead. It's like, as far as I can see, that's as far as I'm walking. And so when you Mm -hmm. get into trouble is when you start to pontificate about, you know, making outcomes happen in a certain way or not. Like that's where the anxiety comes from, right? There's the worrying about the future is, is anxiety and rumination about the past is depression. So the only thing you can do is just yep. be in this present moment and just be like, okay, this is what I'm dealing with right now. I'm in this business. I'm serving people. I'm always evolving myself along this journey. It never ends. And I just try to come at it with integrity as a coach. It's like, look, yeah, fine. Definite classic codependent. And it's not like you can download a cure. It's not like I could Google download cure for codependency and take a magic pill that comes in the mail. Like it doesn't work that way. It's a constant uh, care and attending to your, like a garden. Literally I had to like, you know, uproot all the roots and all the, the, the crap and then lay down new seed and lay down a foundation for new growth. And so it's up to me to tend to my field, my own self every day doesn't just end. Mm-hmm. It's not like I could astroturf self-love. <laughs> it's, it's a <laughs> garden that I am, you know, guard to use that analogy. It is a garden that, you know, oh, there's a weed, got to pluck that out. That's negative thinking. Can't do that. You know, and you're really tending to the thoughts, to the, to the, the mindset work. And it's, it's, um, mm-hmm. it's just a whole new path. It's just like a whole new commitment. It's like no different than the woman or who says, you know, wow, I, I used to be a smoker and I couldn't quit forever. And then all of a sudden, one day, she gets a diagnosis of whatever, and she's like, all right, done, I'm, I'm done smoking. Or not even a happy occasion. Maybe it's a thing where it's like, you know, her, her daughter is about to make her a grandmom for the, for the first time. And she says, mom, but here's the deal. I can't bring the baby around if you're smoking. And she's like, all right, done, no more smoking. I want to see my grandbabies. And just like mm-hmm. that, a mindset shift happens where the neuropathway instantly changes and it's like, wow, I tried hypnosis, I tried a million things, 
and it was my my daughter announcing that she's going to have a baby that got me to quit smoking after you know 40 years or whatever the deal is so the mind is an amazing 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 tool and when combined with intuition we can really heal ourselves we can our power is very very uh mighty yeah and so that's a great place to end don't forget your power everybody and um, so, Lisa, thank you so much for sharing the cure to codependency and sharing your story and sharing your journey. And, and like you said, it's when you're on this path, you're always learning, always growing, but we have incredible power to change the way our brain functions, the way our mind works, and to have a much better life. So um, please share with our audience how they can find out more about you. Oh, wonderful. So people can find me just simply Googling Lisa Concepcion Love Quest Coaching. They can also just go to lisaconcepcion.com. Um, there, there will be a free goodie to any of the ladies listening who are dating online and want some guidance on how to do this with purpose. I take a very no BS approach to my coaching style. I'm from New York, so it's an audio that you'll hear of me just empowering women on how to date online effectively so that they do it with self-respect, joy, and a sense of fun. So that's there for free awesome. for anybody who wants it. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you. Um, and thank thanks you. everybody for great. listening. Oh, yeah, you were fantastic. And, um, and guys, if you love this show, please go over to iTunes or TuneIn or Stitcher or wherever you listen to uh, this show and give us a rating and a review and subscribe. And uh, thank you for listening to Last First Date Radio. And I hope you go on your last first date very soon. Have a wonderful day.